And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland. This podcast is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. On to Waveland, also presented by Tops. Check out Tops Project 70, celebrating 70 years of Tops baseball cards. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Patrick Mooney and Sahadev Sharma. And that means it's On to Waveland. It's a Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. We got uh, T minus two weeks left in the Cubs march toward the conclusion <laughs> i don't know what you call it so i was thinking in relation to this uh being the end you know we are a couple of weeks from the end you know i am increasingly unabashedly focused on like okay who are the cubs playing in relation to the reverse standings Ooh, this twin series holy smokes this is really important uh which is actually true it is a very important series for those reverse standings but I was thinking we haven't had a ton of experience, obviously, in the last, you know, almost decade of of what September is like when the Cubs have sold off and the wins don't really matter. And we're sort of every current storyline is actually a future storyline, with the exception of 2019. But as I recall, in 2019, right now was when that horrible losing streak was happening. That torpedo the season. It was really up until now. It was still like, a OK, one more run could still do it. Uh, and then we had the horrible losing streak and then the Joe Madden stuff and right. I'm, I'm remembering all of that. This correctly, is Patrick. so, so we're in the second to last week of the season and this weekend would be the same that, Cardinal series. That Cardinal series, right? Yeah. Yes. Which was the death blow. I'm sure Cubs fans remember that. We don't need to re. I was. Re, I re- want to. Re- it. I'm going to relive a little bit. You want to because, relive it? Well, just because boom, it's boom. It'll, like I was watching in a, I was, it was a date night with my wife. And we were watching that game. Well, I was watching the game at a bar. <laughs> Sounds like a great date night. Very romantic, yeah. Brett. <laughs> well, it was like, it was one of those where we went to a restaurant and we went early. We had a reservation and they had the game on at the bar and we were getting a drink, you know, before our table was ready. So I was like, oh, let's just watch. Don't worry, honey. I won't be really paying attention to this. I'll, I'll be focused on you. <laughs> and like you said, side of the poom poom of the two home runs <laughs> that Kimbrell gave up. I mean, I was head in hands at the bar there as my wife was probably just like, what, what is this dinner going to be now? And I think I fired off some tweets that, that tried to encapsulate my feelings so that I could, you know, refocus myself on, uh, you know, whatever enjoyable evening we would then go on to have. But like, it just sticks out in my memory. Like, right, really? Right now? You had to do that right now? I like the idea well, of they- you having to like, put tweets out there for the public record so that then you could focus on romantic endeavors. <laughs> is is that weird? <laughs> like that's totally how that is how the uh 
the writer slash blogger slash tweeter brain is. It's like, wait a minute, I've got to establish that, yes, I too felt the crushing blows of these two home runs. Okay, but now I can go live my life. Now I can be like, okay, as if I didn't, you know, sneak lots of Twitter checking thereafter, the, the gallows thereafter while in between appetizer and dessert. Probably had a few desserts that evening. Uh, okay, but here we are. At least there isn't that. You know, the Cubs could lose tonight on on a blown save, uh, a couple dingers, and I, I would feel nothing. I would feel nothing. <laughs> I would and feel it nothing. Would, it would not interrupt any, you know, celebratory dinner otherwise that the wife and I might be having. Um, that was almost the case this weekend with the Cubs and the Brewers. They, of course, lost the first two. And then that finale of the series, the Cubs blew up in the eighth inning. It was another tight one. It's actually kind of a tight series if, if you were into evaluating it in that respect. And, um, you know, that eighth inning was capped by Patrick Wisdom breaking Chris Bryant's rookie home run record, number 27. Cool moment and otherwise uncool stretch for the Cubs. Uh, but then in the ninth, it was Rowan Wick's second outing where he really lost that fastball command and just kind of looked like a guy who was searching for it and uh you know almost blew it michael rucker had to come in and get that final out um you know we have other things that we're going to talk about in relation to this stretch but i think i i wanted to offer that because i know you wrote about it sahadev but i mean surely two two outings for wick like that doesn't completely change the story of like okay, I'm less concerned about what he's going to be in 2022 now than when he was like missing two years straight with a pandemic and a reoccurring oblique issue. Like, I still feel pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I think the main questions with him are are health. Uh, you know, can he put together a full season and stay healthy? And And yeah, I mean, I don't know if he can be a closer, but he's obviously got the stuff to be a high leverage reliever. Uh, We can have, I I mean, we don't need to have that debate about closer versus high leverage reliever, but uh, I I know he wants to be a closer. He straight up told told us in in Philly when we asked him that, I I said, is that a, you know, do you care about that role? He's like, obviously, that's what I want to do. That's, you know, he, he, he was like, that's the goal. You want to be a closer. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't think Ross is in any any rush to name a closer, and he shouldn't be, uh, not for a while, in fact, unless they go out and sign, you know, blow us all away and sign a no-doubt closer, which would j- just be shocking. Uh, they, there's no reason to do that. Just mix and match, play him when you need to, pitch him when you need to. And I think the first game, the Friday game that he blew up in, that wasn't, that was the eighth inning, right? If I'm remembering, right? Yeah. Friday was, was the eighth inning and and Sunday was the ninth inning. Yeah, it, it just yeah. both had gotten like what what was similar in my mind was just that he had gotten up into the twenty plus pitch range, and right. that's when it felt like it really got away from him. Yeah, he just had no fastball command. I'm I'm gonna I'm actually that's one of the things I'm gonna talk to. We'll see. He, he's he's hard to talk to lately, but I'll, I'll talk to Hadavi at minimum about that over the next couple of days. Just see what he's seeing and what they're working on, and if it's a blip, if it's a mechanical thing, if it's a hopefully it's not a health thing. If if it is, I assume we'll hear something very quickly, and they'll just shut him down. There's no reason to pitch him further if he's feeling anything. Uh, so let's just uh, let's you should just hope that it's not a physical thing, and then it's just a, a mechanical thing or or just random blip in the radar. But uh, yeah, I I think you know you should feel good about Rowan Wick as long as he's healthy because he's 
he gets on runs where he's just one of the nastiest relievers you'll see. So hopefully he can stay healthy. That's that's going to be the key. I've literally written, and Sahadev has, and Brett has as well, of like the bullpen won't be a priority this winter, but it's not like they're going to totally ignore it either. And I right. think the more I've seen, it's like, yes, Wick is awesome in these short bursts, but like, can you really count on him next season for more than like kind of these two week benders here and there? And I think what they did with the bullpen this past off season was pretty good. Obviously you had an anchor in Kimbrel, but I don't know. The Chaffins to Paras won't cost you much. Uh, you can always flip them at the deadline. Maybe it's not a no doubt closer that you sign, but uh, I've kind of come around to the idea of like, if you want to kind of raise that competitive floor for next season and even though they'll be signing multiple starting pitchers, it's not like they're going to, be necessarily like 200 inning machines because those guys are kind of disappearing and um i just think they're gonna have to do something back there because i think you just need a little more than kind of wick and hoyer and i guess the grab bag of leftover starters i think there's probably going to be there's always a lot of relievers out there right like every offseason you look at the list on MLB trade rumors there's always interesting names guys who had big number strikeout numbers or like had one or two great years with like 30 saves and then they kind of come back down and it's on them just to pick the right ones but it seems like that'd be an area where if not a priority at least something you can you kind of throw the fans and your manager and your coaching staff a bone of like here instead of just kind of playing tryouts for all of next year well, and even if you are of the mind that like the Cubs don't need to add a bunch of bullpen arms, even if that were true, it, they clearly believe, and probably justifiably so, that they've got a secret sauce when it comes to bringing in those types and reclaiming them a bit and finding extremes and working with them and getting value. So like, if you believe you're really good at that, you're not going to eschew the entire bullpen market just because you're like, well, we've got a lot of guys. They're going to add, they're going to, at a minimum, they will do exactly like you guys said. They'll still, they'll try to find the next Chafin, the next Tapera, the next, those, those type of guys. Um, and I, I don't, I don't really have an issue with that, but, uh, but yeah, like Sahad have joked, I think we would all be pretty floored if they went out and found some established surefire closer and they were like, all right, this was the move we needed to make for this year. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Okay, so turning from the bullpen to the rotation, which will be 
uh, an incessant drumbeat of discussion for this offseason for the Cubs because they have we could probably put this number at, at anywhere from four to to five starting pitchers that the Cubs <laughs> need to add. Um, but I say that knowing that they will need six plus, not that I'm saying everyone in the current rotation will be squeezed out. Um, but I, I chuckle in part because here's the issue. Um, I think our mental framing of what Kyle Hendricks is and, and should be expected to be for the Cubs next year has probably shifted this year a little bit. Um, there, I think we're going to get into some of the peculiarities about this year and how he has generally always recovered so well. Um, but I think I just, I want to make sure we don't lose sight of the fact that although pitchers, many pitchers age well into their mid thirties and Hendricks is not a guy who relies on premium velocity, which is among the first skills to go for most pitchers. He still experiences aging like any human. And so when you talk about repeating mechanics, when you talk about uh, all of the joints necessary to effectuate quality pitching, you know, he'll turn 32 next year. So like that needs to be on the radar, at least that okay, there may be some decline and maybe we're seeing some of that this year. Maybe every nice explanation that we could come up with for what uh, is ultimately becoming Hendricks' worst season, maybe those things are true, but also maybe there's just some natural decline baked in. So anyway, that's, that is all to tee up the Hendricks conversation. So how have you wrote about um, among a trio of players, just sort of where things stand um, with Hendricks and his performance this year and why it has been um, so, I guess, disappointing. Uh, so get into that a little bit, and then we'll kind of springboard off of that to discuss a little more on Hendricks and a little more on the rotation. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it does deserve a deeper dive, and I'll I'll do that with uh, Hendricks is always willing to talk about this stuff. He's one of, the, one of the best guys I've covered when it comes to this, even when – and now I – I felt like he wasn't right. He hasn't been at his best all season. He never hit that peak. Now he went on a run. I I just felt like that run wasn't as good as the Hendricks that I know he can be. It was perfectly fine. It was not even close to his best self. And uh, I asked him about it. I straight up at it was right before the All-Star break, I believe. Uh, or maybe right after I can't, it was during the losing streak, uh, in Cincinnati is when I talked to him. Uh, and, and he, and he agreed with me. He's like, you're not wrong. He's like, I'm, I, I feel good, but I'm not right where I need to be. And I, it hasn't fully clicked now. Sometimes maybe that's unfair, right? He gets on this 2016, 2020, uh, there was a run, but he does kind of have those runs for two or three months every year where it's like. I think 2020 was that run, right? If it was a full six-month season, he probably doesn't do that for a full six months. But every year, he did that once. And am I remembering years correctly? Yeah, 16 was the year that he was uh, third in Cy Young, right? Yeah. Uh, and and he that was one of the rare times where it was like four or five months of that, uh, right? But he can do that for two months. He, he didn't do that this year. I know people thought... I think people that didn't watch him as much thought uh, thought that that was yeah, a, well, a run of his. It, can I it wasn't. say it's because he went on? It was a streak of like it was something. It was it, it was, was like wins. ten straight quality starts and wins or something. You know, it was something like that where it was like 
if you are looking at it from a far enough distance, it's like, oh, cool, he's doing Hendrix stuff again. But if you were actually watching those games, it never felt like he was really on a heater. Like, it just didn't look yeah. like that, didn't feel like it. Yeah, and so something is off with his command slightly, and I'd like to take his word that he feels physically fine. Uh, last year hasn't impacted him. Uh, I did very cursory look at the innings leaders from last year, and I'd say about like half of them have gone on the IL. Another cup handful just ha- have run out of gas near the end of the season. And then like two or three are just studs. Like Zach Wheeler it was a innings leader, one of the best. He's one of the best pitchers in the game right now, and he was great last year and threw a ton of innings. So, so it's not. There's no rhyme. I mean, but I think there is something to be said that you pitch a lot of innings in last year's weird season. You're you're going to run out of gas this year. I think that's fair. He's worked his butt off to be stronger, to last longer through a season. He wanted this to be his first 200 inning season. That's obviously not going to happen. Uh, his his two seamer is he's just leaving it over the the heart of the plate far too often what's weird is that's the pitch that got hit hardest last year too but he didn't throw it as much he's leaning on that pitch a ton this year and everything else is just getting hit hard the, the changeup does not look like the na- i mean i remember when he first came up and we were like this guy throws too soft to be a, a top of the rotation pitcher, but look at that changeup. It's really special. And then he added more pitches to the mix and it was and it, and he became what he became, right? And the changeup doesn't look right. It's not uh he's he's not throwing it in the zone as much and he's not and he's and he's not getting chase on it. So I mean, it's just not a very effective pitch anymore, not nearly as as effective as it was. Uh I I think I have this feeling that come spring training, he's going to be, he's going to come to, like, when we talk to him finally, he'll be like, you know what? I think looking back, I was a little gassed at the end there. Uh, and, and he'll tell us that. But I also think that part of it, and, and Ross kind of intimated this the other day, that there's a mental aspect to this. He's not competing in a playoff race for the first time in a very long time. That's got to be hard. I mean, back when he didn't, com- when he wasn't competing, he was fighting for a roster spot, right? And now I don't want to say he doesn't care, but I thought this was a great point. It's not that he doesn't care; it's that he cares less about the personal statistics than he does about helping his team get to the postseason, right? I th- someone brought that up, and I think that's a great, that's a great point. It, it's not that he he can't be motivated just by his numbers, and right now that's pretty much the main motivation right it's it's really hard to go out there and and when that's happening you're overthinking things you're like okay now you're you're just not like we got to win this game because we got to get in the playoffs i can't think about my can- mechanics i can't think about you know this that and the other so he's overthinking things and i and, and he, he says it's a mental thing as well uh so you know you have to hope that's what it is that it's it's a mental thing and that maybe he's gassed and and that this isn't an age curve thing and that you know, if the command goes, what else does Kyle Hendricks have, right? He has to have elite command. Otherwise, this is going to be a tough go for him. Aside of reading your piece this morning, I was kind of blown away by, I mean, leading the league and hits allowed, hitting 13 guys. I mean, his ERA is now closer to five than four. I was kind of like what you were describing earlier, but like Hendricks had just been kind of in that zone there earlier in the season where he was like not losing games, whatever that kind of quasi made up streak was. And I'm still kind of of the mind that 
Kyle Hendricks deserves a benefit of the doubt. We can't like the Cubs have so much stuff to worry about. <laughs> there are so many things that can go wrong between now and opening day next year and between opening day and next year's trade deadline. Stuff that probably will go wrong that like sweating Kyle Hendricks is probably not worth it. I mean, I got to admit, I just kind of had penciled him in as opening day starter and like just kind of forgotten about it. And if people are projecting kind of the Rowan Wicks and the Nico Horners and the Nick Magicals who haven't done it on a consistent basis, then I think Hendricks is kind of in there too. It's just really hard to get too worked up over a guy who's not just been good for a long time, but as you guys have written, has kind of reinvented himself over the years and really enjoys playing that cat and mouse game and found different ways to, whether it was yoga or the Ivy system or just kind of getting bigger and stronger. Like, I think that's something I've said this before that people don't fully appreciate on TV that Kyle Hendricks is like way bigger and more athletic in person than he does look on TV. And he is not on TV in a look at me manner, yelling and screaming and pounding his chest. Uh, But he is a really exceptional athlete. And I think finding his mechanics and repeating a delivery point is something that, uh, yeah, just getting away from all of this and doing whatever he needs to do this off season will probably, uh, do him wonders. And hopefully the Cubs get some guys to pitch behind him and around him to where it's kind of not just him and then kind of Alec Mills and some question marks. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Yeah, so um, another thing I wanted to mention about the rotation and Kyle Hendricks, and, you know, I I haven't explored this, but I have a feeling it's going to be one of those things that we and or uh, others in the baseball commentariat explore after the season, is this idea that we never really got a chance to talk about whether and what the impact was of the changed baseball this year. Do like do people even remember that it's a it's a different baseball this year? Remember they they recalibrated both the core and some of the seam stuff. That uh, big talking point back in spring training and, and in the first like two weeks of the season was oh well some some guys are going to need time to adjust to the new baseball. I'm not offering that now as any kind of explanation for anything that's happened or you know uh, dif- like oh it'll be fine you know when he adjusts okay. We got we ended up getting into the sticky stuff that ended up becoming the baseball conversation. But like, I just feel like we never really fully explored. Okay, what were the impacts? What were some of the unforeseen impacts on specific types of pitchers of the change in the baseball? And the reason I even mention it in this conversation is just that I find it interesting that two two of the preeminent command and control guys in baseball ended up both in the same rotation this year with the Cubs. And both had really uncharacteristic struggles with command, specifically this year. Total, you know, I, I'm referring, of course, to Kyle Hendricks and Zach Davies. 
could just be total coincidence. There could be absolutely nothing there. Could have nothing to do with the baseball. Could have nothing to do with the fact that they're both on the Cubs. Could have nothing to do with uh, changes in sticky stuff enforcement. Any of those things could be a total red herring. But I do, again, I find it interesting that you've got these two guys who are very similar in both their pitch mix and what they rely on to succeed and their velocity and their the, their pitch shapes, all of these things very similar. And they both had a year where it was just like, wow, what happened to the command this year? I don't know. I, I don't know what to, to do with that talking point, but I just feel like this, anytime we get into this uh, topic of Kyle Hendricks struggles this year, a lot of that background stuff starts poking at me like, man, I don't know if we've explored enough of this stuff. And So again, we don't have to land anywhere on that, but it's like one of those things that I feel like we just don't talk about enough. We don't tea. We just don't even mention that. Oh yeah. It's, it's a different baseball this year. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a fair question. I think I, here's the thing. I don't think, well, well maybe we'll get some sort of answer next year. I expect a different baseball again next year. Like I expect that there's going to be work done in the CBA to where some sort of uh, whether it's the Olympic baseball, I'm not sure if the Olympic baseball was the same as what they use in the, in uh, the NPB. uh, But I think there, there's uh, different types of baseballs in other leagues that people uh, pitchers, especially seem to really say like, why can't we use this? Like this, this, you know, this is a much better baseball. We're not talking about sticky stuff anymore. If we can just use a ball that we can get a grip on. Uh, I can tell you this. There were days where I picked up a baseball just, uh, you know, in the weeks following sticky stuff. And and I was like, this is not like the baseballs my kids use. Like at Little League, like this is really slick. And then there were days where, uh, was it August was the most dreadful August I've ever experienced in, in Chicagoland area with the heat where pitchers would come back from the bullpen just talking about how much they were dripping in sweat. And, and one of them, like, I, I was like, I don't know how you throw a baseball. And one of them's like, feel my hand. And I like felt his fingers and he was completely drenched. Like he was soaked and just from warming up. Like, I was like, how do you do that? Like, how are you supposed to pitch? So it, the baseball does need to change. They get, I, hey, listen, the, the pitchers screwed up. Certain pitchers screwed up by going too far with the sticky stuff. Like, if they'd just gone with everything that they've been using for the past, you know, however long they've been using rosin and 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 sunscreen, nobody would have cared. But, you know, James <laughs> Karinchek was digging in his glove for God knows what, like right in front of cameras for everybody to see. So, uh I mean, and it's the most obvious thing you could you could watch and look at his ERA pre and post. Uh, well, like and his strikeout rate and his spin rate. Yeah, it, it is some everything. of the most extreme. Anyway, yeah. So so he screwed it up for everyone, and I'm sure others were were part of that. But uh, it's it's a it's something that needs to change. The the baseball needs to be fixed in some way. Uh, I'm not saying that they should. We should just ignore them using that stuff. But uh, yeah, I think that's a fair point it, with command stuff. I I don't know if that's the main reason though. I would. And sorry, I, I think the bottom line. To, yeah. Oh, and ju- just to just to again to to underscore, there's there's two separate issues. It's, it's the actual baseball itself changed yes. at the core and the seams, and what Sahad is referencing is pitchers have been saying for years it's also they feel like it's getting slicker and slicker and so MLB's tried to play with that and then obviously the sticky stuff was it's a whole separate thing that's related to all of this so it's yeah it's, it's a whole big complicated mess yeah 
and I'm not suggesting that I don't think Kyle Hendricks was using sticky stuff and, and that's leading to any of this. That'd be, that would be more shocking than the Cubs signing a closer uh, this <laughs> winter. Uh, but uh, I mean, ultimately, I think what, what Patrick said there is uh, about how they need to surround Kyle Hendricks with more pitchers. I don't think there's a single one of us that doesn't think that should be the focus this winter. Uh how many pitchers they add, they they cannot go into if they go into next season where anyone and I'm saying I mean this any one of Steele, Thompson or Alzali is assumed to be in the rotation. They didn't do enough to address the rotation. At minimum, they need to be competing for spots with multiple guys. They cannot go into next season like penciled into the rotation. Like no, maybe they win a spot. Maybe someone like Steele just works his butt off, has a great final, whatever, however many starts he has left, two starts. Uh, he works his butt off in the offseason, comes into spring training, and is just like blowing everyone away with how he looks, and he wins the fifth starter spot. Fine. That that would be perfectly fine. But if you go into spring training assuming any of those three, even a single one is in the rotation, you've screwed up in the offseason. Or you, maybe you didn't screw up. Maybe you're not – you just – you didn't do enough is what I'm saying. You have to get – four or five guys to compete with all these other guys and and you pencil you can pencil in Hendricks you can feel good about Mills and you compete for the rest of them and hope that you can pencil in a couple of the guys you sign because they're good enough and you assume that they're part of the rotation but it, that's that's just all I can if this team is going to be even relevant next year they have to do better in the starting pitching market, they can't let the market pass them by. They can't be shopping at the bottom of the market and saying, well, you know, we had to wait out the, the CBA and now we're, we're getting the, uh, you know, the least uh, valuable pitchers we're, we're, we're picking from the final five remaining guys. And, and, and it's just, it, it can't be that it, it cannot be that. And, and anyone expecting that that'll be a winning uh, uh, formula. Sadev, I think he just wrote a column there. I think that is well <laughs> well put, well said, and uh, I think exactly where the Cubs are right now. I think it's nothing against the Steels, the Thompsons, the Ausleys. I think actually they performed uh, rather well under the circumstances this year. I think they've earned the trust of Ross and the coaching staff, at least as bullpen guys, and if you add them to that, mix i think the cubs could be uh building towards kind of a stronger base like it's not nothing to have three young pitchers at once kind of show they can get big league hitters out in consistently in spurts like it's not easy to do particularly with someone like ross who we've said for a long time has a kind of a knack for identifying guys and where they can succeed or not and if those guys are your kind of middle to late inning part of your mid to late inning mix, that's not bad, but no doubt. I, this can't be the Cubs kind of crossing their fingers that some young guys step up and like make 30 starts next year. Like they're going to have to once again, pay for experience and know-how and that's fine. Like it's, this is not, you know, you don't get banners for, uh, you know, having the most homegrown pitchers in, in your rotation. The Cubs have proven that. Uh, it's just a, the way to buy time um, is going to be through signing free agents, and there's nothing 
wrong with that. They have the money. They have the flexibility, both in terms of payroll and their roster. Just do it. And to Sadev's point, don't be kind of working these budget ranges and then we see something else and here's a little more Jed and, oh, okay, Arietta. We'll get into all that stuff later this week with John Lester coming to town uh, with the Cardinals. Yeah, I think that's all really well put. And I just to hammer home the point, because I think when Zahadev says, and Patrick agrees, and I agree, that the Cubs need to put themselves in a situation where none of Steele, Thompson, Alzali are expected to be in the opening week rotation. I think that's going to surprise people, maybe. Like, I think maybe people would think, well, why wouldn't you you know, reserve one of the spots in the rotation that will definitely go to one of those three. And I think the answer for me on that, in addition to just not wanting to to place that burden on a young pitcher that we don't quite know is going to be a big league starter as opposed to like a really nice bullpen piece. The answer is you already know in a given season, you're going to need guys to step up behind your expected rotation and take some starts. Who are the guys who internally are ready to make big league starts behind Steele, Thompson, and Alzali. I follow the farm system very closely, and I'm telling you, those guys really aren't there right now. Like, there just isn't that spot. It's a very, very significant gap in what's available to the Cubs, chronologically, developmentally, health-wise, all of these things. And so when we talk about the imminent need in the rotation for the Cubs this offseason, for the 2022 season, in a weird way, we're also having the same conversation about the lack of arms that are going to be ready internally for the rotation. And so you want to be in a position where your Steels and your Azalis and your Thompsons are those guys, that they are the young guys who are able to step up and slide into the rotation as needed. But the only way that's even possible is if you bring in three, four, five external arms this offseason. So yeah, if it feels like we're saying that a lot or we're making that point very in a very grand way, it's because we think it's quite true. So maybe we'll leave you with that because as Mooney said, there's more in a different way, more to discuss on the rotation when we get back at you on Thursday. We'll have, we have reasons, really, really crafty podcast reasons why we're holding that for Thursday. Uh, so you'll want to be back. You'll want to come back folks to hear onto Waveland. Uh, I'm Brett Taylor. You can get my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That is Patrick Mooney and Sahadev Sharma. The, you've got their stuff at The Athletic. I hesitated for a second because for some reason I had the urge to call you Moondog, uh, which we, we hadn't in forever. Like that's That goes way back. That's pre-Galagar. I mean, we haven't even called you Galagar in a while. Uh, I don't know what that is, but it just popped in my head. So that's Moondog and Sahadev Sharma. Get their stuff at The Athletic. Like I said, we'll be back at you on Thursday as the Cubs uh, then host the Cardinals. But in the meantime, important two-game series with the Twins. Go Twins! And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Take care. (laughs) 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.